fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work high. Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. I, I, Welcome everyone to the Trading Places Podcast. We are back once again to just drop free game, have a conversation, education. I'm here with my guys. Um, pleasure to have my guys here with me, Rush. Yo, what's up, people? Swan. Yo, what up? Yo, Sheesh Radamus, a.k.a. Rashid. What's up, man? What's going on, bro? Man, how y'all doing this week? Or how was this week for y'all? It was a short week in the markets, but how y'all doing? Good, bro. It's been good. It's been Shoot good. for the stars, ain't for the moon. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot happened this week. <laughs> Given that it was a short week, we saw Tesla and Amazon hit all-time highs. I mean, once once again, Bez- Bezos is looking like he's lo- he's looking recession-proof, man. Um, I think they announced this week. Uh, he, he's at a hundred and seventy-one billion dollar net worth. Uh, obviously, we don't know if he has all of that liquid. Um, but he gave his wife thirty bill. His ex-wife. Matter of fact, they say he's he <laughs> They say he's now made more than what he gave. He's now made more in the past quarter than what he gave his wife in divorce. That's if he was a rapper, I would use that as a sum. Like. That's a that's a bar. So. <laughs> I That's call off for your ass. <laughs> Wait, remember when Jay said, because unlike him, the 30 million can't hurt me? Like, Bezos can say 30 billion can't hurt me. Man, he's, like I said before, he's the Drake of it. That's true. Be Big careful. facts. I feel like everybody was laughing at him when he had, you know, uh, Amazon. He was like, yo, I'm going to sell books online. Now he's like, look at me now. I mean, he's a force to be reckoned with. And the thing is, they have their hand in almost every fucking industry. They're in pharmacy uh, with subsidiaries such as PillPack. They just bought, and congratulations, and I want to salute the CEO of Zooks. was an African-American woman. She's a CEO. She wasn't the founder, but she led that company to a billion-dollar acquisition. So salute to that sister, um, and I hope she goes on to do great things. But now he's getting into... Um, autonomous driving and Elon Musk shot, you know, you, you know, shot at him over Twitter and said he was a copycat. But <laughs> it, it makes sense for him though, because like <laughs> that's funny. What grade are we in? Amazon's logistics, so like, because people need their goods, they need a, a means to receive their goods and everything. So like, he's trying to corner the market in terms of logistics. He's actually pretty brilliant in terms of it. You know, Bezos Stanfield. I look at Jeff Bezos and I think of Marlo Stanfield. I'm not gonna front though. The the thing that I kind of am concerned about is what if like there's like a COVID outbreak at one of these like Amazon packaging factories. Like, 
then they'll get rid of the people and replace them with yeah, robots. That's already happened. I mean, you know, a lot of the warehouses, yeah. a lot of their warehouses now are completely autonomous. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, they're shifting towards it. Would that. Just even, it would even get more. You know what I'm saying? That's why they're into robotics, and that's why they're a leader. They just continue to innovate. Sorry. Continue to innovate. I thought about something too. Like, what if AI becomes self-aware and they realize they're slaves? Doubt it, because they're programmed <laughs> by people. Uh, look, okay. The argument against—I mean, the argument for robots—makes so much sense. They don't need that. They don't need to take a holiday. They don't need a lunch break. They don't need a bathroom break. Um, they're not stressed out from what's happening at work. They can go 24 steps, 365, 366 in the leap year. There's no slowing them down. So if you see, and this is why it's important to kind of adapt, you know, give the times, adapt and die because these robots are coming and they will get you out the pain. You think we're going to reach a point in society when robots have rights? Robots have rights. I mean, maybe, bro. It's it's possible that this is a simulation. This is possible that this is a simulation, and they already running shit. And we just, you know, what I'm saying, we just out here replaying, replaying their afterlife. Yikes! Hey, but I ain't trying to get too far off subject. <laughs> <Word>. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, <bro>. guys. <laughs> nah, I mean, when you just look at it, there's a lot of people who who had believe it or not never shopped on Amazon prior to the pandemic they still wasn't comfortable with online shopping those were primarily like people who were seniors right it was the Walmart types now the Walmart types you know with in the midst of the pandemic surge they say well fuck it let me try this out and so you still are gaining new customers prime customers they pantry loaded you you think uh, Walmart's e-commerce is doing well too though I think all of the e-commerce businesses had to see some type of surge. I mean, Amazon first quarter sales was up 26% year over year. Mm. Right? Um, so when you when you look at that, you 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 have to think that they're benefiting, you know, Walmart, eBay, the Costco's of the world, they're benefiting from the same digital shift. So like with all yeah, this- you didn't even you didn't even mention one of the biggest products that they have sort of trending, the cloud, the yeah, cloud yeah. infrastructure. That's like, I mean, they have all the data. So yeah. go ahead, Juan. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You contributed something important. Um, the thing I was thinking about was uh, when we begin to open back up, we might see the elimination of more brick and mortar because, you know, this COVID thing could take a while, one. And two, like people already become very comfortable online shopping. So yeah. you know, it might become a habit for them. We also, are creatures of habit. Yeah, that's a fact. And then quietly, a couple of days ago, AWS established an aerospace cloud. So that means they're looking to serve, you know, companies that are trying to explore out of space. Set up a whole cloud for that. Why is that? Remember, this dude owns a Blue Origin, which competes with SpaceX and will compete with uh, Virgin Galactic. But he has his hand in almost every pot. I think the only hand he doesn't have his hand in is the drug game. Hey, you just said he, he got pill packed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> and they got insurance and they doing an insurance company uh with Berkshire and uh JP Morgan. Wait, what? Wait, whoa. What wait, what type yeah, of this is health insurance. They're starting a health insurance company. Amazon. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean this this headline is like two years old. Um so it's it's not really top of mind for me, but like yeah, they 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 launched that initiative like two or three years ago. Whoa. With JP Morgan in Berkshire. Damn. That's cool. I never knew that. I mean, it's it's hard to keep this guy, man. It, it really is. Uh and rumor also they got Twitch. Think about how many people have, you know, reverted to gaming during the pandemic. And they're streaming right. out games that, you know, are some people aren't even gaming on Twitch. They're just streaming out cooking shows and all types of shit. He owns that, and that's ad space, the biggest sell. They also had a rights NFL. I heard they're going to be competing for the rights um, for the NBA games and other sports going forward in the future once these contracts are up with their you know national television providers. So I don't see Amazon slowing down anytime soon. We saw them cross 100 this week. The price targets that's out there is like 3200 I believe they have earnings at the end of this month. They're probably going to run up that, that stock until earnings. Bro, so, they have... Amazon blockchain managed blockchain. They have yeah, block. Yo, they have a blockchain service built off Ethereum. Yeah. So they. I mean, they have. They have all the data. This is. I, I think it, it just comes back to like, in this new digital age, data is oil, and they've set it up to where they have all the data and not only do they have all the data but they're using it very intelligently and the data you know what i mean their their strategy to acquire data and then how they're utilizing it to basically bring and add more value it's amazing i i mean this is one of the best run companies probably ever damn yeah um Bezos is, is looking like a you know legend, a titan, a god. Uh, let's not forget that they're going to be launching drone delivery. They previewed that a couple of years ago, but they're going to be bringing your packages to you by drone. So if you're in hard to reach rural places, man, fuck the postal man. We got the drone right there to your doorstep, like DiGiorno. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like DiGiorno. Just is what it is. Ain't that ain't that the one that don't come to your doorstep? Yeah, that's right. You right. <laughs> Yo, forgive me on that one. Yeah, that, that's very yeah. That's funny. We could have went Domino's pizza. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, meant say, I meant to say Domino's in my head. I was thinking Domino's, but yeah, like Domino's, stay right there at your doorstep with the drone delivery. I mean, that would be crazy to me to watch my package like fly to me. Right? Nah, that would be dope. Imagine getting you you're like yo. Living in another state and being able to order food from another state, you're like, yo, it's gonna be at your crib in thirty minutes. That's I mean, possible. It's possible. Yo, who's that's crazy to think about that. DoorDash because Uber is positioning themselves to buy Postmates. They're looking at Postmates. It seems like they know that the money is in its food delivery, which is why they originally approached Grubhub until Grubhub found a different offer. But who's to say that Amazon won't say, all right, fuck it, let's go buy DoorDash? Nah, that's, that's that's about own every means of production known to man <laughs> because DoorDash already has the infrastructure the installed power yeah. base when you think about it um, 
Amazon had launched Amazon Restaurant. It was an initiative that they had put out there, but it didn't do too well. But if you if you just step in and buy a company like DoorDash, boom, you unlock all of their data, right? And then you can plug in your Amazon Prime account directly through your DoorDash. That's kind of scary, though, man, because what does that do to the working class, the proletariat? It, for real, it doesn't really, if everything is automated and everything is taken care of, it doesn't really give them much opportunities to work. Look, they already own Whole Foods. They've already started to automate away um, the the uh, cash registers in Whole Foods. Yeah, imagine I think we're- Pick up your local, imagine if you could go pick up a meal from Whole Foods. No, I think we we have to What you're bringing up is a good point Is that human labor is becoming obsolete Um, Not not overnight But slowly over time And events like this with coronavirus Where you have people displaced From their jobs And then you also have the incentive Because of the ownership structure um, That we have in our corporations And just businesses You have the incentive to instead of tying people back to jobs to figure out ways to basically increase profits or increase shareholder value and what that means is that while those people are uh, detached from jobs this is an opportunity to innovate um, and to use automation so um, over time you know people are going to become obsolete in terms of labor and the workforce and that's the social dynamic that we currently have we have employers and employees and you know the employers own the means of production and the employees go and contribute to that place and exchange their time for compensation um, to live off of and if you make the one side of that equation no longer relevant and that's the what 80 90 percent of your society then you need to fundamentally rethink how ownership is and figure out a way to to change the ownership structures or the ownership model or you're going to have mass social chaos. Damn. We're like, I would say, we're like, I w- my fault, uh, Twan. I wouldn't nah, say go that ahead, human, man. Go ahead, human labor is um, obsolete. I just say it's evolving. I'm not saying it's obsolete. I'm saying yeah. it, I think it's it's trending towards obsolete. I think that's where we're going. Well, it's, it's evolving because there's still going to be a need for humans to service the technology. So, like, you yeah, have... It's not, you're we, not going to as many humans, right? So it's just kind of. It, I mean, that remains to be seen. And, I don't know. think so, bro. I think I, I, I think like the labor force participation, um, sort of just trending over the years. What you have to remember is Moore's law um, of innovation of how fast technology evolves, and that the mm-hmm. growth in technology and the capabilities is exponential. Mm-hmm. So we're still early on the curve. You know what I mean? To, to think that, right? Remember, like, the iPhone that you were holding in your hands 10 years ago versus the iPhone you're holding in your hand today. Um, just, just think about that. Um, and what I'm what I'm saying is not that, you know, maybe not in our generation we have no people. But what I'm saying is that that's the world we're moving towards. I don't know if that's 10 years. I don't know if it's 20 years. But I, I don't know if it's 50 years. But just understanding Moore's law. Yes, there will be a role where people have to interact with the computers but that's that's going to create an entirely different class structure and that's going to create an entirely different employer employee 
relationship dynamic is going to be completely different. You won't have these two classes of worker and and an employer anymore because it's it's not going to be enough opportunities for the for all of the people in the population who used to be employees. True. Yeah, I feel like I don't. I don't. My fault, Twin. I I would say don't. This isn't the the first time we've experienced a shift as far as means of production and workforce, though. I understand the exponential component to it, but I feel like to make judgments as far as the amount of seats that are going to be available once the music stops, that might be a little bit premature because we still have to see what that world looks like once it's just completely tech driven. And, and where human capital fits in because there's always going to be a need for some form of human capital yeah but the Whether human capital I, I think what she is getting at is that the human capital that will be valued are highly skilled people yeah so with, highly highly skilled, skilled there's going to be highly skilled or no skill because right. if you automate in a way to cash register you know the cashiers you automate in a way to bl- the bank tellers look what's happening in banks across the country you don't see as many tellers anymore right a vi- right. We just talked about Tesla hitting all time. They're the most valuable car maker as of this week, right? They're working on automated um, trucks. At what point do the truck drivers get automated away? Because that's coming. Bus drivers, it's coming. Right. So, so what I'm what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that the curve of innovation for technology, because it's exponential, yeah. We won't be able to react on a mass scale because generations take 25 years. And what I'm saying is like, just think about this one innovation Mm, of how much your phone has changed in the last 10 years. And now we have like actual robotics where we're where we're programming human intelligence into machines and we're still early on that curve. So to imagine what that looks like exponentially and to think that as a society, as a group of people that move in generations of 25 years to think that that's not going to displace millions, if not billions of people. You know what I mean? That's going to happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but just understanding how the nature of technology and then just all of the other exponential sort of forces that are going on in our world right now is hard. You know, I, I think that's inevitable. And I think that as humans, we have to figure out, okay, well, given that reality that that's going to happen sometime, we need to rethink how we form a society around that reality to where it can sustain people so that we can, you know what I mean? So that we can still have a functioning society. Because I honestly think under the model we have, if we don't change it with where that world is going, it's going to lead to necessary dysfunction. Yeah, it's just... It's crazy because it's like we're almost living like some Karl Marx, <laughs> some, some Karl Marx shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it out. He talked about this like in the Communist Manifesto. Not to go too political into that, but um, basically he was saying like you know there's becoming a divide between you know the aristocracy and like basically the working class, which he kind of includes the bourgeois in that because they're the ones that are working for the aristocracy and. In exchange, they're being paid for their service, but eventually, even they can kind of be eliminated. Yeah, that was extremely simplified. It's more, <laughs> <laughs> it's more, it's more complex than that, but <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I definitely um to Rashid's point, I think the exponential factor in this 
um, is accelerating this transition to where, at, whereas in the past where we've experienced a transition from like an ag- agricultural revolution to an industrial revolution, uh, human capital had time to adjust. But with this transition from, I don't know, what, what would we say we're in right now? Like a service oriented society, I guess. I, don't I know. think it was sort of like industrial, like sli- in- uh, industrial slash service still. Yeah. Um, and now we're and taking now this I next big like technology. To yeah. Yeah. And then it's like technology. And so it's, it's, just- it's, it's hard to understand. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm saying these things like I think it's inevitable, but I'm also sort of just omitting like my human brain, you know what I mean? Isn't necessarily able to, it. it's not really built to calculate that function and just understanding like me as a person. Yeah. Um, this is my level of understanding. But what I do know is that just given how fast technology evolves mm-hmm. versus how fast humans evolve. And our ability to sort of construct together as a society and move in a way, you know what I mean, in an organized fashion, um, given how the nature of humans and how slow we move relative to technology, yeah. I think it's inevitable. Um, but also understanding that just like my ability to calculate that or my ability to clarify what that looks like is limited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it is it fair to say like uh, because of this maybe like the thoughts of someone like Andrew Yang with universal income might be onto something like yeah. might be right? I would think so, bro. Just because you, if things do occur at an exponential rate, there are going to be a lot of people that are displaced just because we're not going to be able to evolve or adjust fast enough. So to quell social unrest, you got to you know give the baby its pacifier. What, yeah. what, does, what do you I think? don't have the answer I really don't have the answer but I, I do think that it has to it has to make it so that the way things are made and who owns it like you can't have an owning class of like 1% of, of like 1% to 10% and then you can't have a working class of 90% that all of a sudden labor is no longer valuable so like you <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean you have to you have to reshift the ownership model so that people can participate in how things are made in a way but like to, this is a really big complex question I don't have the fucking answer <laughs> um, just being real um, but like that's like that's what we have to figure out as people together um, because that's going to happen yeah I mean the worker is left with the short end of the stick right while the shareholders you know smile harder because when you start to automate certain parts of society uh, that you leverage through your business, if you eliminate them, then your balance sheet looks even more lit. Even looks, you know, you make more money. Um, so it's, it's, it's a tough thing to grapple with when you just think about it. But who knows where society will be in 10 years, 20 years from now. But yeah, shit moves really fast. So um, hopefully we'll figure out a way you know, to adjust, but I, I am concerned for you know certain parts of society that I do not believe will be able to recover if that were to take place. You know, because the the answer that some people will say is, well, we just need to retrain them, but that's not as easy. You know, for somebody that's maybe forty or you know fifty five years old, it's not that easy to retrain them. It sounds good in theory, but it ain't that easy. Um, so yeah. Stock market um, ended, <laughs> had its best quarter 
since the 80s. I think more than two decades. It ended on a high. <laughs> wow. Yes, sir. Record like, after record. Record <laughs> after record. Strongest quarter. It closed out its strongest quarter in more than two decades in the middle of a pandemic that has brought on a depression that's worse than 1929. How? I don't fucking know, but clearly there's a real disconnect. And I mean, we, we um, go ahead, bro. You know, it's it's the it's the battle of the haves and the have-nots. If you had money, if you had the discretionary income to, you know, place in equities, and you place them in the right equities, they yeah, you benefited. But if you didn't, you're not you're not seeing all this joy. But it was crazy to see that we closed out on, on the strongest quarter. So how, how y'all feel about that? We uh, I know we we briefly were touching on this last episode, uh, talking about like the the spike in the 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 number of cases and sentiment and hope and things like that. But I think a, a big player in the um, the equities market is that a lot of this stimulus is inflating asset prices. So a lot of these dollars that the Fed is printing is just going straight into the equities market. And um, I think that's what's driving up this past quarter in the bull uh, recovery, bear, bear recovery, bull, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I don't understand how Planet Phoenix is not at zero. <laughs> I just got an email from 24 Hour Fitness telling me they, they're going bankrupt. So, any fitness facility, I just don't get it. I, I, that's a great example of a stock price that I believe is highly inflated. I mean, shit, quite frankly, yeah, I, I understand with Tesla, you're betting on the future, but does anyone here agree that Tesla is worth $1,200 a piece right now? The, does it why, matter if why, we agree? Why we work <laughs> like, I don't understand why. Why? Is Tesla's contribution to society that much that it's worth $1,200 a piece a share? Wow. I mean, in a world where the entire equity market is kind of mispriced because of the Fed action, it's like all relative, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I think that Tesla should be the most valuable um, car manufacturer by far. And like if you start to think about them as a logistics company and start to sort of bring in because I mean, at the end of the day, these are so so they're they're a manufacturing company, but they're also a software company. That is so you have this the way you value those type of things is 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 different i'm not saying that it's the right valuation but what i'm saying is that all valuations are wrong because there's so much money being pumped into stocks right now and if i'm an investor and i'm picking a stock and i have to pick something well fuck give me tesla they're selling in the words of benny the butcher man they're selling dreams to sleepers yo come on man Get too deep here. <laughs> Way too deep here. I mean, again, I don't know if we're going to see a massive correction like we did on March 23rd. Uh, but I do have some hesitancy because it's just, it seems like euphoria has reached a peak. Oh, yeah. I'm not buying anything. <laughs> to clarify, I'm not buying anything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying to go uh, 
go buy a Tesla. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to, I was just more so talking like relatively, in my view, everything is off. Not everything, but most things are off because the Fed is pumping money into the stock market. So I read a piece, uh, I believe it was in the journal, Wall Street Journal, for those who don't know, um, that used car sales are booming. And I wonder if that's because people are saying, fuck public transportation. I don't want to be around people. So that's something to pay attention to, right? Because you have direct beneficiaries, you know, of that boom right there. So we'll see what happens. The jobs report, man. Um, African-American unemployment is at 15.4%. That's a grim number to me. I think a lot of these numbers are made up. (laughs) A lot of it is bullshit. Why are we counting... We're saying, you know, Trump is putting out memes talking about 4.4 million jobs. Look at me. But I think a lot of these people are still struggling um, or they don't have full time hours. It's it's a it's one big disillusionment that they're putting out there and they're using that to pump up equity prices. And it seems like no one is questioning it. It seems as if we're totally ignoring the fact that we have 13% unemployment. And the perception is that, well, Americans are getting back to work, but with all these cases flaring up across Arizona, Texas, and other parts of the country, (laughs) no one's saying like not so fast or that these jobs are, are, are these same people who are in the midst of a recovery about to get furloughed again. Because they're shutting down restaurants, they're shutting down bars. Um, in Miami, strip clubs, lap dances have to be 10 feet apart now. I don't understand how to lap dance, but I'm not gonna be I'm not here to talk about that. But again, the economy is hurt, the strippers are being hurt. We have to care about them. We have to look out for them. If I can't go into Sue's, not that I've ever been there before, but if I can't go into Sue's. Like, come on, man. 10 feet apart, what am, what am I going to do there? The bartenders, Miami, Miami Beach, they're, they're done with. So I feel like those unemployment numbers are about to go right back up. Uh, but maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. How, how y'all feel? I mean, so I the overall unemployment number right now is 11.1%, and that's 17.8 million people. So... First of all, I don't believe the numbers. They said that that uh, 4.8 million jobs were added. But like when you actually go on BLS website and you scroll to the bottom, they have a disclaimer there. Um, that more or less just basically says that 20% of the data about, or 18% to be exact, 18% of the data um, that they normally collect, they haven't been collecting because of COVID. So in the last three months, their ability to collect the amount of data um, that they normally do to actually have accuracy around these numbers um, is it, it's off by a fifth. You, you know what I mean? So a fifth of the data is miss, is missing is what they're saying. Um, and I mean, the government has broken our trust on so many levels at this point um, from you don't need wear, to wear masks to 
you know what I mean? Just keeping secrets to being out and talking about the stock market. So the, the idea of this uh, orchestrated effort around an election cycle where you're telling me in a disclaimer that you're collecting 20 percent less data than you normally do in a time where it's a bunch of uncertainty and everybody's focused on this and you want the stock market to, to go higher. I just don't believe this shit. Sorry. Hey, Rashid, question. Out of those numbers, how many people are from working retail? So the retail number, I think, was 700,000 added. But retail is still down. Let me actually get the number. Give me one second. So, so yeah, retail rose by 740,000. Um, but it's still down 1.3 million since February. So to me, what that means is that uh, when you shut down the economy, a bunch of these people, you know what I mean? They were working retail. So, you know, in stores or restaurants, um, you know what I mean? Everything shut down. So now when we started to have partial reopenings or you have people back on the payroll. So, yeah, they let people go back, but it's only a third of what was let go. Um, and we're now in a, a spot where we're going back and forth from, you know, opening and potentially partial uh, closings again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Texas is mandating face masks. And who would have thought that would have happened? So, you know what I mean? And, and some of these states is going to be on a state by state basis Sorry, to I think that some states just given the political nature of this, everything's being politicized to think that in an election year, some states are going to say we're closing back down. You know, that's what's going to happen it's, it's going to be a state by state basis. And we're going to be back and forth um, between open and reopening. And we're going to have to see we're going to have we're going to have to see. But I mean, anything above 10 percent unemployment is ridiculous by U.S. standards. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why I asked about retail specifically, because the one thing I noticed is that um, there's like been tons of different types of store from GNC to like Bloomingdale's to Macy's to Gap that are permanently closing stores throughout the U.S. Permanently closing locations. So it's like those are people that were once working there that aren't going to be able to go back to that job. Right. And since you're going to have like places where they're going to be like, you know, mall deserts where there's virtually hardly any retail places like what do you do with that that class of working people well I'll tell you one thing it ain't no mall deserts at Linux right now Linux is you would not think there's a pandemic outside yeah Atlanta booming it's booming well I mean for location to location I guess things vary right but imagine those towns where that's all they have a Walmart and maybe like you know a Target or a Sears or whatever and that's you know that one Sears closed down that's what the big. ironic part is Walmart hasn't shut down yeah they haven't uh, Walmart other things that closed I, I don't know you know what I mean Walmart seems least effect, less affected I don't know That's maybe that's not right but I'm trying to think about what happened here in Georgia. And I mean, like you said, it's, it's state by state. So I can't really say, but Walmart here never shut down. And then it's location by location. So maybe, you know, where you guys at in the A, 
it's not shut down, but other parts of Georgia maybe have that experience because, you know, they don't really want to go out because of COVID. I mean, that's true. But, but then again, Walmart, Walmart probably don't care either way. They're like, yo, you got to bounce. Don't come to work. Right. Walmart's another one, right? Where they're trying to get rid of the crashes. And there are companies that are benefiting from this like pandemic scare because people are stocking up on their pantries. So you got companies like Canada Foods, you know, Kraft, um, maybe. I would love to own one of them companies right about now. Like if I own a company that sold chili beans in a can, pat my pockets. Cow mean eggs, man. I remember you, you laughed at me when I bought up eggs the last time, but every time I go in the grocery store, that's all people are stocking up on. Cause it's still the most affordable protein. They're actually getting more expensive. If you pay attention to the prices week by week, the cost of certain produce yeah, man. going up. Food is going up. Price of food is going up. That's a fact. And that's, I mean, that's part That's part of the stimulus that got out into the direct economy, right? We talk, We want to talk about inflation. I mean, it's, it's not a headline number. You know, we give a headline number through the CPI, which again, because inflation is complex and it's across multiple different markets, it's hard to contest it other than, you know, obvious anecdote, anecdotal, you know what I mean, stories of just knowing that fuck, prices are going up fast. Um, but yeah, food prices are definitely going up. Word. The only thing that I've seen kind of go down is beyond me. And that shit is just sitting on the shelf. It is. I would like to see like something in, within certain communities where like they have community farms, like where people farm, like for, and, or, or butcher, and all that stuff goes to the community. Because I feel like it could displace like some of those prices that we're seeing in the grocery stores now. I mean, well, it depends on the type of box. Some people just do not have the resources to produce on a mass scale to be able to meet demand. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm pretty sure people would love to, you know, buy local chicken, right, and not have to go through Tyson. But if you have thousands and thousands of people that's rushing your grocery store every day, that's rushing your local Publix or your Safeway or your Albertsons, who also... Think about <clears throat> Albertsons just went public a couple weeks ago. The grocery store chain. So, can you keep up with that demand? More like not, nah, you can't. I wonder how the farmers markets are doing. I know they don't really track those numbers, but it would just be interesting to know if there's been like growth in the farmers markets because people don't really want to go to stores right now. I know, mm-hmm. but inflation is affecting everything. Inflation is affecting aluminum cans. Like if you notice, a lot of like the wine producers over the past 24 months have started to move to aluminum cans. But since you had that shift, it started to cause a shortage in the market, But with, which is also driving up the price of aluminum that's produced by these conglomerates such as like Ball and the others. If you, if you can't afford that, then you're not going to be able to meet your demand, especially if your if your products exist inside aluminum cans. So they're they're benefiting. I don't think ball is publicly traded, but it's going to impact prices across multiple items, right? Um, and we're seeing it in places like uh, you know I read something very interesting. So we already are seeing hyperinflation in places like Zimbabwe, 
Did you know that they arrested a hundred shop owners, over a hundred shop owners, this past week or the week prior for not accepting the local currency? Hmm. Like no, yo, but it makes sense. Yo, that's something to really pay attention to. Where in the U.S.? No, this is Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. But it could fucking happen here too. I mean, Zimbabwe's currency has failed at this point like five or six times, something yeah. like that. What? So yeah. I mean, this is this is like a fucking I don't know. This this happens a lot there. Man, I feel like that's a discussion for the crypto corner. I mean, we, Rush, we know you trade these foreign currencies. You know, what what do things look like to you in that in that market, in that side of the market for those who are not as educated or for our listeners who are unaware of what's occurring in the um, currencies market right now? Uh, I think the biggest thing to watch right now is the dollar index. So it basically pegs the U.S. dollar to a basket of other world currencies, primarily the euro. But uh, as a dollar strengthens or weakens, it has a big knock on effect with a lot of other global economies. So, I mean, obviously, I don't when you start talking about like emerging nations, I guess you could call Zimbabwe an emerging nation. Um, it's a little bit different. It's, it's probably the effect is probably um, more severe, but just where the dollar is headed because right now it's at a pretty significant uh, resistance area will give you a good idea of where we're going to be headed economically aside from a lot of the things we've been talking about earlier on as far as labor what do you think we have well we had we had a strong resistance area so 97 so like the dollar has been kind of ranging back and forth and obviously once uh covid hit in march it got it just got crazy strong and that's not good for uh the american economy because that's deflationary obviously and that's not what they want Uh, that's not what the fed wants so we've kind of been in a back and forth pull between like 96 and a hundred ish on the dollar and then i'm looking at the dollar index like literally right now and right now it's at 97 so if we can if if we can push back up to 100 that just means we're in that upward leg of that pattern but if it continues to sell off and the dollar continues to weaken i think that i have some big implications uh globally hey can one of you guys, like for the listeners, like break down in the simplest way what inflation and the what inflation is? Your dollars don't spend the same because there's more of them. Okay. Yeah. By definition, inflation is an increase of the money supply. So we've had inflation definitionally, um, but practically, inflation is just the changes in prices if they're going up and. There's a bunch of different markets. Inflation isn't uniform across an economy. So we've been seeing because the money supply is going up, we've had definitional inflation. The market that we've seen it in most, I believe, and I think a lot of people agree with this, is we've seen inflation of assets. Mm -hmm. Um, And now in this next phase where we're moving towards, okay, well, now people are separated from their jobs. We have a lot of consumer credit. We have a lot of mortgage credit. We have a lot of student loans. 
if you sort of if you remove people from their jobs, you start to have problems in the credit markets. So now what we're doing is we're stimulating direct to consumers. So, you know what I mean? And I think what's what's ending up happening now with that phase where we got that twelve hundred dollar check, you know, and now we're talking about another round of stimulus. This is the type of um, inflation that actually goes into consumer goods. Mm. And I think the number one place is it goes to the grocery store because you're actually distributing it to people who need it to feed them to feed themselves. So uh, this round of inflation, um, I think, can potentially be a lot more dangerous for everyday people. I did hear a, a, a nuanced view on that, though, because a lot of the stimulus is in a reaction to a more or less a void caused by the economy shutting down that instead of creating dollars, they're, they're more so replacing dollars. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. And um, I think the I think the question becomes like what happens on the supply end of that equation? Because what we're talking about, what you just said is, um, you know, well, if people can't have as much income, so they don't have as much demand, we're not creating demand. We're 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 basically replacing demand. And I think the question becomes, well, on the supply side, are people, are food manufacturers, are these other consumer goods, are they going to be able to produce the same amount of outputs? Um, and that'll be the question. Thanks. Let's, you know, let's also not forget that we have, I read a stat with 5 million people. Um, I don't know if it was in the country, or maybe it could have just been in one state, are going to be evicted this month because those moratoriums on evictions right those bans on evictions they're getting lifted and people are going you know getting these notices in court and I believe the unemployment is not going to be extended past the the July 25th uh, date that they had set in place they want to give you know Trump is in favor of additional stimulus but he's not in favor in the right, you know, these Republicans, they're not in favor of extending unemployment. So what's going to happen to them? What? Yeah. <clears throat> Damn, this is going to kill major cities. And that might be that might be the black, the, the next black swan event for the market. I don't know, bro. Because, yo, those, that extra 600 a week is coming to a stop. It's drying up. I believe will lead to more unrest and will have a further implication on this election that we have coming up because if you have that many people getting displaced and have no place to go, they now no longer have an address for voter registration well golly man that's that's crazy to think about that's a domino I feel like the domino effect of that that's um, concerning to me is the major displacement of people in cities because it can it can lead to urban decay. You'll have people that bought these homes for a million dollars and in, in these, you know, these cities like D.C. or New York or L.A. And now because of, you know, people aren't able to pay rent. Or you know, um, people leaving, or and and, and uh, people leaving plays a major role because that affects the tax base. So public schools get worse, and 
you know, infrastructure can get worse, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a trickle down effect. Um, exactly. They paid a million dollars for these homes, so a lot of them aren't going to let them go like that. So they're just going to, you know, lock, let the city, you know, implode and and do what it do and just wait another 30 years before it, they can come back to it. Yeah, but a lot of these families like, are going to be underwater. They can't keep up with the property taxes. If you if you bought a million dollar crib, let's say somewhere like Bedstock, and you can't afford it, yeah, you're gonna try to hold on to it, but eventually it's gonna lead to foreclosure. We well, already this this white flight back to suburbia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, right that's now, the people. Thing, are, so like, they cast out of the sub to buy these homes. A lot of people that were moving from the suburbs to the cities, they cast out of the suburbs at the peak. So like they bought the homes in the city for under a million anyway, and now like they could probably sell them for a million, but who who are you gonna sell it to? Who's the bag holder? I mean, they're gonna dump on somebody the same way I feel. Um, she and I talked about this, where someone's gonna dump on the bag holder in the equities market. Maybe this shit could shift. I mean. Um, the thing that I'm thinking about is typically during racial unrest in America, more people of color move back into cities because it's been, you know, comfort zones. After, you know, Jim Crow era, a lot of people moved into the cities for more jobs and opportunities, but also to escape the racism of the South or wherever else they came from. You, maybe you might see that again. Yeah, but OK, you move back into the city. But what opportunities are available for you if the economy is shut down or we have partial closure? closings what opportunities that exist if you start to get hungry guess what people that that look like they even have something they look like food now which will lead to unrest <laughs> it feels more like psychological warfare than anything I'm not, I'm not eating right now you know my i'm starving i don't know where my next meal has come from but you look like you got a meal so cough that up my unemployment check is no longer coming. The good times is over. We're now in August. I'm not seeing that extra check I needed, you know, each week to be able to buy Infamil for my child, to be able to, you know, support my grandmother who can't work right now because she's at risk of catching COVID because she's elderly. It's robbing season. I mean, but these are our new themes, X. Like the, no, the marginalized have always been marginalized. I'm not saying that they're new things, but it kind of concerns me when I see this type of euphoria in the market where everybody thinks like the good times are back, right? The roaring 20s. It is good for some people. It's good. I for just, some it's just, it's not the people that you're talking about right now. Right. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that that's going to create more anger and jealousy towards the people that are benefiting from it. I don't know. Not, it feels like a not, social <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Don't don't be surprised when you start seeing people reenact the scenes from the Dark Knight Rises and they running down on motherfuckers on Park Ave. Because <laughs> it can uh, especially especially with the police. You know, people talking about yeah. defunding the police. Um, so like, it is potential for some of these things to get exact exacerbated, especially in today's climate with everything going on. Very very much so. Um, so I think a lot of us share the same sentiment of longing volatility. She, 
I want you to kind of unpack this trade, man, because you've been talking about it for a couple of weeks that you, you're not touching for anything else, you know, uh, but longing volatility through an instrument such as UVXY. For our listeners out there, can you can you break this down more as to why you're long on this trade and you know why you're staying away from everything else um, and explain what UVXY is? Sure. So um, UVX, UVXY is just uh, basically it's a ETF that buys VIX futures. And basically what the VIX is, is the VIX is a volatility index. And what it basically is, is it's a measure of fear. So um, people call it the fear index on Wall Street. So as people feel uncertain about what's going on, the VIX goes up. And what UVXY is, is it's a month out. You know, it holds that VIX contract. For, so fear in the market about a month out. So the, the um, instrument that I have is a call, um, which is basically an option to buy at a future date um, at a set price. So I'm basically betting that the price will go up on this asset and it expires um, January of 2021, January 15th, I believe. So what I'm basically saying is that I think there will be something that happens in the markets, you know, between now and January of 2021, where we'll see another indication or spike in fear. So, you know, being long this trade over the long period of time is not what you want to do. Um, it's set up to decay over time because the Fed is directly shorted. And with all of the stimulus, you know what I mean? Markets are going up most of the time. So you don't want to be in this uh, forever. This is not an all the time sort of trade. But I think that, you know, with markets approaching, I think the S&P is approaching 3200 again. Um, we're, we're basically approaching all time highs. And the sentiment for why we're doing that is basically that the Fed don't fight the Fed, basically. That, it's yeah. basically that the Fed has the backstop. The Fed has our back. The Fed won't let us fail. And I think that people are just naive to think that. Um, I think that like economics, what economics is, is, it's the exchange of goods or services. It's the exchange of wealth between people. And what that what that comes down to is human behavior. So the idea is 20,000 employees at the Fed and the people that actually have a seat at the table or a voice, let's call it 20. Um, the idea that 20 people can manage human behavior through the, through the issuance of currency and controlling interest rates, the idea that they could do that on a level that's beneficial for society of 7.6 billion people is fucking insane. Um... And if you just look at the 08 crisis, people remember the collapse of Lehman and then the sell off, you know what I mean, in October. But there were events where it started selling off in January. You know what I mean? So the, the housing market foreclosure started in January of 08. Right. And then you had tax rebates and then they started bailing out in March. And then you get to June and uh, they were lowering rates through this time. So they lowered rates in January. They lowered them again in April. 
Um, and then they, they put together term facilities and then you basically had bank fail. So Indy Mac failed in July. So so I, I say all of this, they nationalized Freddie and uh, Fannie in September and then Lehman collapsed in September uh, of 2008. They bought, bought AIG in September. So it, what I'm saying is that there were a bunch of events and then they, they started to propose a stimulus bill at the beginning of uh, at the end of September. It got declined and then the market sold off crazy. And then they, they say, OK, we'll give it. This was TARP and this was a $700 billion program. Um, like the programs we're talking about now are $3 billion, $5 billion. <laughs> The number, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's insane. And they, they rejected that. And then the market sold off and then they, they came back and said, OK, we'll do it. And then the markets continued to sell, sell off. So I, I say all of that to say that, OK, th- this started in March. We're in July. And this is the same sort of behavior. Um, and the Fed was there last time. So the idea that just don't fight the Fed is I just think it's fucking stupid. Uh, it, it's too many going it, too many things going on. There, there's so many things that could happen um, that would induce fear. So many things that could happen. I'm just and I'm just betting that something will happen just based on history. Hmm. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I, I should have said to me, I'm short in QQQ um, just because it's heavily weighted and pulled, you know, held up by tech, right? The ratio of tech versus non-tech um, is skewed heavily towards, you know, um, tech. And I think that, yeah, it's at all-time highs right now, but I'm going into puts basically, you know, for Anybody out there don't know what puts are, just making a bet, right? So a call, you make, you know, you're making a bet that it's gonna go up. Um, you know, for puts, you're making a bet that shit's gonna go down. I think that we're gonna see a pullback in tech. Obviously, we saw a lot of these tech names like Apple, like Amazon go crazy, but I do believe we'll experience some type of you know pullback, which leads me to you know taking that position. Obviously, this is just for me not financial advice, but I share the same sentiment. Like shit is out of pocket. And I think we're going to see a pullback. Now, will it hit the March 23rd lows? I'm not sure about that. I can't really speak to that, but I do think we'll see some type of pullback. And it it appears there's a lot of FOMO that's going on where everybody's rushing into this shit where they're buying, you know, QQQ and running up the price, but I'm not so sure. So, um, I think we're just at maximum greed levels, man. I want, what, just historically, what does the market look like going into presidential elections like that the week of or two weeks of? I know, that, I know what it looks like leaving it. Well, so well you know, what's, <laughs> you want to know what's crazy about the OA crisis is we were going into a presidential election. Yeah. That's a fact. Um, and you know what I'm saying? The stuff the mortgage failure started in January of that year and it manifested itself. It eventually showed up in the banking sector and then we had to come in and save the banks. And that took until October. Um, and the election was in November. The equities market was highly volatile in 2016 too, right before leading up to Trump and Hillary. And yeah. It sold off right after. The only yeah. reason why, because like, um, I'm curious to, to see how the, the market is going to react to this election 
who knows? Um, I mean, it seems like Biden is just going to do the exact opposite of everything Trump is doing. He's going <laughs> to you know, nationwide mask wearing. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm really not excited about this dude. I'm like, this is, <laughs> I don't uh, even know if this guy can last for four years. You know? <laughs> He's slurring his words. We, we only see him, you know, like every other blue moon. He pops out like Mr. Rogers every now and then. Like, I, I just don't know. But yeah, we're up, you know, we're, we're on the brink of the probably the most important election of our lifetimes. I know people said that about 2016, but I had a feeling that Hillary was going to lose for many months. But this this is important. Because how's it important if both decisions suck? <laughs> I mean, you right, my nigga. I, 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 fuck the fuck do I know? I mean, it's just, I, I, it's I like really, you want to. It's like you want a left hand full of dog shit or a right hand full of dog shit. <laughs> right. Which is why we just gotta move, chop. <laughs> you know, chopping our eye because fuck government. We gotta politic ourselves. Honestly. Cause they, yeah, because they can't save us. They, they've never been able to save us. At least for me and my experience. I, I, I'm not speaking to the person out there that grew up hyper-privileged, you know, that has senators, you know, as their homeboys that they can call up and have some barbecue today for 4th of July. That wasn't my reality. Well, you got to think about it, though. They never were trying to save us. They weren't trying to help us. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> You know, like in order for you to do that, you gotta actually try. Like, what have they done? Mark? You know, I want to change. I want to change that question. What have we done? Yeah, thanks, bro. What Ooh. have we? Done? Thanks. I mean, we need to get rid of this fucking victim mentality. I feel like with everything with African Americans in America, we have to die for something. We have to die for the right to vote. We have to die for freedom out of slavery. We have to die for equality. And now, like, uh, we're still dying for the same thing, equality. Like, just to socially be treated the same way and have a government that has our backs the same way as every other citizen. Which is why I don't understand why there's so many people crying to get a seat at the table that they don't want to set. They don't want to set this table. So we have to, you know, think, you know, think smarter, just just move differently. Like Rasheed said, like, what have we done? To kind of break away from the system to become self-sufficient. Rishi, were you speaking specifically about African Americans, or were you speaking about Americans at large? Uh, I was speaking about um, African Americans, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to um, discredit anything that has been done. To mm-hmm. be clear, um, what I am trying to say is that the conversation I think at this point needs to shift away from what have they done for us, because it's clear they don't have interest in doing that. Um, so I'm just saying I'm not discrediting what has been done. I'm just I'm just saying like let's let's just shift the frame of the, of the conversation. Mm. Yeah. Um, and just focus on what we're doing. Right. It, and I want to be very clear because we had somebody reach out to us and um, say that we were discrediting the work of the protesters and the people that are out there being vocal in the streets. We're not discrediting. It. We're not you know saying like. That's that's worthless. It's just that there's more that needs to be done amongst our old people. 
Right. I mean, I'll say I'll say I feel like it's ineffective. I mean, I, I stand behind what I said. I, um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'm not I'm not saying that. You know, what I'm saying do what you want to do. Um, I'm just saying that I'm not doing that because we have a long history of doing that, and here we are doing it. So doing it still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, okay. So you know what I'm saying Whoever Felt that way I'm sorry that you Feel that way <laughs> yeah. But I said it Because that's how I felt Yeah Right I mean we've, we've seen Incremental Changes Right And that was the point That someone brought up Was like Well You know Look what our voices did When we came together And we protested um, You know For you know Equal access And education I'm like, oh, okay, so they integrated the schools, but they still gave us shit resources. Well, did they really integrate schools? Because, like, (laughs) think about the whole concept of zone schools, right? You created zone schools right after they asked for integration, right, to to desegregate schools. And you knew, like, these areas were exclusively white and exclusively black. So did they really integrate schools? Did they? Yeah, I don't know. No, not really. On the surface, maybe. But. Because <clears throat> people go to jail for not going to their own school. If you, as a kid from Watts, decide to go to like the best school district in LA, tell me what it is. I don't know. You, Your uh, parents could probably get in trouble for Bel Air Academy. They made it. They made it. They basically made, made segregation. Yeah, through through zone school. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm sick of the performative shit. You know, you know, the NFL announced that they're going to be singing the, the black national anthem before every game now. Uh, we're seeing Black Lives Matter being painted in the street, but I don't think that really solves the the true the, the core problem. At hand, but I, I don't want to get too much into that. Yeah, we're um, getting a little too deep for this conversation. Yeah, we yeah we getting just a little bit too deep. So, yo, petty puts. Anybody got some petty puts this week, or what's on your watch list? Um, obviously, we talked about UBXY and QQQ. Is there anything else um, that's on your radar? Bitcoin. You could say I'm looking at Bitcoin short term. Let's see if you can crack below nine k. I'm sure it is. I'm sure back up to 10k, it immediately comes right back down. You said what? I said it seems like every time it goes up to 10k, it immediately yeah. comes back down. It's, it's been ranging there for like the past going two on months. two months. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. We'll see. If it, I mean, if it if it drop below 9k, I think it could it could drop down to like 75, maybe yeah. six something. So, yeah, right here, yeah, right now, I'm like, I, I don't, I can't afford to be petty <laughs> uh, in this market. Like, you have to be extremely careful and practice, you know, proper risk management. Uh, but that's that's you it, gotta man. be flexible, bro. I'm sorry to cut you off. Just be flexible with your analysis. So, just because you have you hold one belief one day. You, Things change fluidly in the world, and especially in the market. So, 
as those things change, your belief should should reshape as well. Big facts. That's very true. That's a great um, point. You got to learn to be the one thing I've been looking at a lot. Shout out to Austin for introducing me to this. Um, Ave, um, the Lincoln. Mm. I and the only reason why, like, I find it very fascinating. Well, DeFi in general, uh, blockchain, um, I find very fascinating. But the whole like the ability to loan, um, and how uh, crypto and technology is tackling those issues. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people can basically directly loan each other money and it's trustless. Yeah, and they're, they're not, you know, you don't have to fill out a survey um, and they are, they, they're not really looking at you for your race or, you know, your, your, your gender or nothing like, nothing like that. Um, none of that is involved. They took that that out completely right which sure. impacted you know a lot of people who look like us you know when you have centralized institutions uh, financial institutions that did judge you on those things right they judge you by your address word to net so yeah I've been learning more about comp oh real quick free game you can earn um, some free comp on Coinbase right now uh, through their earn products so you know if you want about I mean, it's $9 but Yo, free money you, and you can learn about it at the same time while you earn it so shout out to Coinbase for that and there are other assets you can earn some free money I think it's up to $161 in free crypto all in all so for those who are not out who are out there not aware I mean there goes a way to earn some free crypto right there alright well fellas I, I think that's it I mean any shout outs y'all want to give uh, I want to uh, shout out yeah, exactly. Shout out, rest in peace to Big Poppy Lokster. Um, you know, going too soon, young brother. But yeah, shout out to Pop Smoke. Also, shout out to the Robin Hoodies once again. Shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and I think yeah, okay, cool. So we, we we're gonna head on pulling out of here. Um, investments and securities. Can involve great risks. Y'all, you know, y'all know the deal. This podcast is only for informational purposes uh, and should not be relied upon for financial advice. Please consult with a licensed financial advisor before you purchase or sell any securities. And with that, we're out.